0: and welcome to One Rep At A Time, your friendly fitness podcast from Cult Fit. Each week, we get deep into one aspect of health. We speak to experts on physical fitness, nutrition, stress, and sleep. Often speaking to trainers, doctors, athletes, entrepreneurs, all to help you become a healthier and happier version of yourself. My name is Deepak Gopalakrishnan. The internet calls me Chuck. I'm going through my own fitness journey and I'm perpetually curious, putting me in the right position to host the show for you. Let's get cracking with today's episode. I'm sure there are many of you who might have considered veganism. Okay, maybe not going 100% dairy-free, but... You know, even those self-professed hardcore carnivores might have thought at some point or might just be curious about going vegan or vegetarian once a week or twice a week. Now, the internet, as always, has a lot of information. Some of it is credible and let's just say that some of it is a little biased and might just even be a little evangelical. I always think that the best advice comes from someone who's been there, done that. And for this, I have no better guest than who I have on the show today for you. Arati Deva, Aarti used to be, and this is her own words, not mine, a hardcore non-vegetarian just a few years back. And today she's not just vegan, but runs a company that is based on 100% plant protein. Aarti runs a Bangalore-based company called Strive that makes delicious, dairy-free, whey-free protein shakes, powders, and more, all of which are 100% plant-based, aka vegan. She is a biotechnologist, a biohacker, and she loves sports and the outdoors. And she's currently building a planet-friendly food brand. Plant-based foods have a lower carbon footprint, and her company made India's first on-the-go vegan protein beverage, which is helping our future Olympians, but also is part of the daily routines of many busy people, health gurus, and patients with chronic conditions like diabetes and cancer. In this chat, Aarti and I speak at length about her journey and how she made the switch. We speak about eating, mental transition, workouts, social transition and so much more. And of course, we speak about Aarti's experience in running a vegan protein company in India. All this and more on the other side of this break. Arti, thank you so much for taking the time to appear on our little show.
1: You are too kind, Deepak. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's so exciting. And I love what you're doing. And I think it's about time that someone... Started and did a fantastic job of demystifying health and science and the science of health.
0: Thank you, and we're so glad that people like you are willing to appear and give a show a listen as well. So uh, let's get right into There's So many things I wanted to chat with. In fact, when the idea for the show was floated a few months ago, I'm not kidding. You were one of the first names that I had in mind to speak to. I like to start these shows by asking guests to tell us about their own story. So, what is your story? When did you get into fitness? And from there, when did Strive get into the picture? All that.
1: Sure, thank you. Thank you for that, um, um, Deepak. So a quick intro is, um, I've always, you know, been an avid fan of the outdoors, you know, staying very, very active. I got inspired when I was, uh, you know, fairly young. I don't know if it was inspiration or if I was just thrown out onto the street and told by my family to not come back into the house unless you have blood on your knees, right? <laughs> <Wow. laughs> That's demonic and horrible, but I think I've just, you know, had um, access to, uh, you know, just play. I think all of us have had a playground in India growing up um, and sport and just you know being out cycling or running or jumping into the deep end with kids that are older than you and you don't know how to swim is sort of you know where it all started but specifically I will be honest and also sharing that um, I did have the chance to play sport in countries outside of India also mm-hmm. when I was an early teenager, um, played, you know, uh, co- captain of hockey when I was just 12, 13 years old. Oh, wow. In the middle of London. Um, and it just teaches you a lot of things, right? It's sport, being active, especially a woman, a young girl, you know, wearing a hockey skirt on the field in rainy London just teaches you to just really appreciate your body and the mechanics and the science of it. So I think that's where some of the roots of it um, started, But besides that, I can say that I've always been curious about science. I went on to study, you know, biotech, uh, both in my undergrad major. But I think demystifying um, the science of health and also appreciating the fact that it's constantly evolving, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're in 2022 and I can tell you I've learned so much over the last two years, which I probably wouldn't have even imagined when I started Strive. And besides that, I can tell you that was <laughs> a hardcore non-vegetarian, you a know, growing up, you you know, pretty much would say I'm not going to come off this mountain unless I have a nice red steak waiting for me. Wow. That was at the age of um 25 and um you know 10 years later I can say that my philosophy around that has just changed and definitely science has been a big driver and the second big driver is probably my passion and my love for the planet um which I great so greatly love and therefore you know that's why we are in the business of sustainable protein today. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what I do full time. Um when I'm not out walking my dogs or jumping <laughs> off some mountain (laughs)
0: That's amazing. I I think that's a fascinating, fascinating story. And we will get back into Strive Eyes. Could you tell us what was the science that convinced you how to get into that? And how did you slowly come down from that uh, mountain, uh, like you said?
1: It is a very important piece of a turning point, uh, both in my personal journey and of course, you know, what I choose to do today and, you know, what I choose to work on tomorrow. I'm sure you've had countless people on the show who said, you know, I've tried multiple different diets. I'm definitely one of them, right? But, you know, do I have a sustainable kind of a food plan that's worked for me? over, let's say, the last 20 years, right? And I think I was still searching for that. And that search continues, right? The search for me, you know, when I stumbled upon plant PlantBeast was I was, you know, having four egg whites in the morning, um, you know, right after a workout, we'd get my you know, chicken steak with my salad at lunch and so on and so forth. But I think the massive turning point for me, uh, Deepak, was when I had a severe bout of um, asthma, which was really, really debilitating. And um, I was diagnosed with an inflammatory disease. Asthma is a disease of inflammation. And it was a conundrum because I felt like I was doing everything right. All of my other blood parameters seemed to be completely okay, right? And the quest just led me to revisit um, plant based diets, which by then had also become a lot more popular, I had glazed over it and just kind of, you know, um, looked over it very briefly when I was in California, but uh, something caught my eye. I saw professors and doctors Mm -hmm. who had um, been treating with medicine, conventional medicine for years, who had quickly turned over treating with food. And I said, wait, how do you do that, right? And these were not, you know, small claims of weight loss. They were claims around reversing heart disease. It was around reversing asthma, right? So sure, I looked at heart disease and I said, hey, I'm a young adult, I don't have to think about this. But when I said asthma, it really caught my eye. And then I went on to devour, you know, landmark trials and Landmark studies. And that's where I'm trained to go in and take a look and see: you know, is this superficial science? Or is this science that's going to last long? Secondly, mm. these professors had published data. They had people on these kind of nutrition plans for over 20 years now, right? Um, there's the China study, right? There's Dr. Gregor, there's Dr. Neil Bernard. So this caught my attention. What am I going to do next? I went on to biohack. I said, let me just try this for two months. It didn't take me two months. It took me a lot, lot longer and a huge amount of patience. Uh, It took me about five months to be able to completely throw away my entire drawer of nebulizers and medication. Wow. And um, I was able to breathe. I still remember calling my pulmonologist, my mother, who's also a doctor and said, I know what it's like for my lungs, lungs to actually expand another 20% and catch my breath. Right. So this is what um, I think really opened my eyes. And I said, there is one lifestyle which I possibly glazed over. And Mm -hmm. maybe I don't think it was my ego, but I just had not looked at it. It we have been too busy with my life. Um, so that's where the journey really began. And then I said, one more year, and then I'll start um, maybe preaching. I <laughs> mm. gave myself another year um, before I was 100% convinced. And even today, I'm out there looking for more data. Uh, believe it or not, today's um, Wimbledon. You've got um, uh, the yeah, two, absolutely. Arts, two vegans, yes. two plant-based yeah. athletes and Djokovic. I mean, I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. So there's so much evidence and proof out there. And if you love sport, you love the environment, and you're always open to science, I think, yeah. I think That was where the chapter started.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? I'm sure you've seen this journey a lot closer than I have. And it seems like each of the claims one by one or each of the barriers in some sense are being broken down one by one, right? Since you've been through this journey yourself, what was easy and what was tough about making that transition from being, in your words, a hardcore non-vegetarian to someone who is, again, in your words, one year away from being a preacher?
1: Right, right. What was really hard for me, the first piece was, um, you know, definitely like I love my cappuccinos. I love my frothy milk. Um, the milk was a little hard. I don't think it was the hardest, but you know, quickly switching back to a black coffee was uh, one one thing that you know took me a little bit of a struggle. Um, but I'd already been trying lots of almond milks and soy milks. In fact, I used to drink a lot more of, um, plant milk, even before I came back to India and that access was just not there. So I think that's why it was really, really hard today. You can actually go to a Kirana store where I live right yeah. like and I can pick up soy milk. Right. Second was feeling hungry. If you're even just have a busy day, let's say you're a teacher, right. Or my mom, right. And she's been a physician for years she would literally walk out with a piece of toast and just a gigantic slab of peanut butter slapped on it. But that's what would keep her going through the mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. all the way till she'll sit down. I mean, pretty much intermittent fast and sit and down and eat, right? So I think feeling hungry was really, really hard, right? Because you do have cravings um, for cheese. But for me, it was it was probably the meat and the eggs. And trust me, I was a hardcore egg lover, right? Like for me, those four scrambled yeah. egg whites was my go-to. Uh, it's a quick way to whip up a meal, right? Or paneer, quickly waking up, with, up a meal with paneer. So I think the craving for protein and meat.
0: That's very interesting. How did you overcome that? Like when you had cravings for cheese, et cetera, milk in the morning, did you find something else that gave you that same mouthfeel or something of that sort?
1: So I'll be very honest. I've actually, I'm not a huge cheese fan. Um, I think I, I mentioned cheese because that's what a lot okay, of people fair. Yeah. But But um, dairy, again, it was quick for me to quickly move to a soy milk if I really wanted just... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some kind of a whitener, but the hard part was the protein. And um, I also made a couple of mistakes, I'll be honest. And the mistakes I made were, there's a lot of information out there, you know, on the internet, you want to really fill up on the fruits, you really want to load up on the vegetables and Mm -hmm. trust me, it's so important, but there just isn't enough of an emphasis on protein, right? Mm -hmm. But the moment I realized why I was hungry all the time. And, um, you know, I was sort of putting in my protein towards the end of the day. Instead, I started focusing on protein at the earlier part of my day and when you start measuring you realize you're just not getting enough protein in, or protein is still hard to get and for me at least the first meal of the day packing in your protein just means you're powered up your brain is charged hmm. ready to go conquer the day and you don't, you're not worried about hunger which is what yeah you know, kicks in, right? Once you figure out those basics and um, you crack the satiation, I think you're kind of um, sorted.
0: Yeah, that's terrific. So uh, did you, in this journey of yours, did you uh, almost gain a newfound respect for things that are not uh, non-vegetarian?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Vegetables are an excellent source of protein, and a lot of people do overlook that when they go on a yeah. sort of plant-based diet. So you always want to power up with you know all the right macros, and it's got to be bright, green, and colourful. Mm. I sat down with someone who was um, experienced in sort of um, understanding millets, understanding you know various Indian pulses. For example, there's a beautiful pulse called horse gram, bro- uh, mm. horse gram, right? And it's an ancient pulse, uh, but I think a lot of modern kitchens today have forgotten about this beautiful dark you know brown um, lentil right so I think you know quickly educating yourself maybe even getting somebody who's used to traditionally cooking it in the format that you're comfortable with is something that's really really going to benefit you but someone needs Mm -hmm. to take a little bit of that time to figure that out and they're just being really smart about it like you know soak four of them at the same time don't soak one today and then wait for lunchtime to soak the next one
0: it's fascinating because it almost seems like our country and the endless varieties of pulses vegetables and, you know, produce in general. It just feels like it's so untapped. So a few things for people who have some interest in considering more greens and less meat in their uh, in their diet, right? So a few things on the transition itself. Do you think that the entire Indian diet is amenable to being vegan specifically, not vegetarian? Or is it a matter of mixing things up from what we have to offer, plus say a bit of quinoa and all the other Western vegeta- ingredients that you said? Hmm.
1: That's a good question because there is unfortunately a misconception that, um, you know, being vegan is extremely expensive. Mm. I think, look, if it comes to uh, someone choosing a a non-dairy whitener, right. Mm -hmm. Or it's an added cost and, um, it's a little bit more expensive naturally. The Indian diet is largely very, very, you know, um, vegan-friendly, right? You know, across the nation, everybody has access to legumes and pulses, and it is probably something your grandmother made at home, right? Mm. And yes, there's ghee that creeps in, there's butter, there's cream, um, but there's a little bit of unlearning there, and there are other ways to sort of make it tasty, right? I think that's one concern as well. Beyond the belief that you know dairy is really good for you, and um, you know what happens if you remove the ghee, right? Like my grandma would frown at me five years ago when I said, you will remove the ghee. It's not good for you, right? When I was going uh, plant-based, sure. one easy way to do it is to literally just sit down with your family and have a chat about why you want to do this. Just don't try to switch it up overnight you know, because yeah. I went full turkey and it was hard, but I was determined. But, you know, most people can't do that, right? You mm. want to make micro changes and you want to try to measure. You want to feel the benefits before, you know, you're just trying to force everybody in the household yeah. to stay out with the paneer and out with it. You can do, you know, uh, meatless, paneerless, um, three days a week. Right, yeah. more veggies on those days, more mushrooms on those days, and plan for a nice protein that you will really enjoy. So there's multiple different ways, but I think you have to um commit, and you have to commit to smaller changes. Yeah. Um. Sadly, there's a bit of a misconception that. Um, you're either all in vegan or not. And I definitely fell fell victim to that. I think there's a lot of merits to that. And I, I, you know, if someone can go 100% plant-based then you know, please do it because that's what your body would ideally need. That's what the planet needs. But you don't have to do that. You know, flexitarian is something that absolutely works today. And it works for a lot of people. I mean, if you've read Atomic Habits, it's all about micro changes and it's sustainable. Because the last thing we want or I want is people to say, hey, I want to go plant-based. And they they miserably fail in three months. And that's the saddest part.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of the interesting things that you said was about making those changes slowly rather than going a cold turkey. Does it also help when you're making these changes gradually? You're able to attribute a certain change to a certain change that you have made.
1: Attribution is something that's a little hard for folks to figure out. All of us, Mm -hmm. our, our bodies are different. And folks definitely struggle with it. I'm working with somebody. I've always told them that, you know, work with a professional. I sit with folks who suspect that dairy may not be working for them. Mm-hmm. But unless they completely, let's say, just eliminate dairy from their diet, do that consistently for two or three months,
0: months they are yeah. probably
1: never going to be able to figure it out. Unless just yeah. say, hey, let me try dairy on Monday and then I'll go back on it on Wednesday and it's every alternate day. The body doesn't quite work like that. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a bit of time to adjust. So I think it would help if you sit down um, ideally with a professional um, and you make a plan and you also ask yourself why, if it's simply, you know, a choice for the planet and you have no health condition that you're trying to overcome, I think a little bit of, Hey, let me not do this on Monday. Let me do this on Wednesday. I think that's fine. But let's say you are motivated by health and I think you need a much more, a slightly well thought out, um, a plan to take you through. And it's not going to, I don't think it's necessarily going to work by switching Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, right?
0: Yeah, yeah if there's one thing, almost every person who I have interviewed on the show has said, it's about just give whatever change you're making enough time. Whether if you're expecting results in a week or a couple of days, then it's definitely not going to happen. And you're just setting yourself up for uh, disappointment. Sustainability seems to be the word in uh, more ways than one. So now let's talk about the the P question, the protein. So uh, <laughs> popular wisdom has taught us that we need to get one to 1.5 grams per kilogram per day and all that. And that's challenging enough, even if you are uh, a hardcore non-vegetarian and becomes even more challenging if you're a vegetarian, I'm assuming even more so if you're vegan. So tell us about this. How did you overcome this? And clearly as somebody who's working for a company to solve this problem, um, how you see this at a larger level uh, going forward, so on and so forth.
1: Sure. Um, I genuinely do believe that most of us do require, you know, about a gram of protein per kilo of body weight, right? right. And unfortunately, there's a bit of an association of that protein is equal to work out in our country. Yeah. Yeah. And with the entire movement on fitness, folks, unfortunately, just think that protein is only if you're exercising. That's not true, right? You could just have a normal uh, work day. (laughs) You could just be uh, someone like me just going into work coming out, but you need protein to power so many different aspects of your life. So I do absolutely believe that, you know, a point eight uh, all the way to about 1.2 grams uh, of protein per kilo of body weight is something that's going to keep your uh, metabolism in a good place. It's going to keep your cells really healthy. It's going to make you, you know, power through your day without brain fog. However, if you are um, a little bit more active, let's say you have a, a lifestyle, a job that requires you to be on your feet, maybe you're picking up stuff, right? Yeah. Um, you absolutely want to consider, you know, increasing that protein.
0: Yeah. Uh, So how did you manage to shift your own protein? You went from meat to uh, dairy-free.
1: So I shifted my own protein, Um, tofu is definitely a part of our household, the dals, Mm -hmm. you do a little bit of math, there's some fantastic, uh, you know, platforms out there, such as chronometer is a big Mm -hmm. big fan of this um, one tool called chronometer, it's been around for, for years and years, you put in the numbers, and it will quickly tell you, you know, what kind of protein are you getting in, and two, you want to keep a diary, you want to keep a diary about satiation, you want to keep a diary on how you're feeling as well, because look, your body could feel very differently from mine, and especially if you are transitioning, you know, respect the fact that your body may take a little bit of time to um, go onto a high Dal diet, right? right. Um, but it shouldn't deter you, but you should go down that path of just, you know, making a plan and then um, um, sticking to it.
0: This is fantastic. What is most interesting over there is the fact that you mentioned a diary. And when you mentioned a diary, I assumed that you were going to be talking about, say, calculating your uh, macros and calories and all that, your typical calorie contract, but you also mentioned feeding full. Could you expand on that a little bit? And if there are any other aspects like this that you also track?
1: Sure. Scientifically, you want to sit down, calculate everything, and just make sure you're not missing any critical um, essentials. If you are going to a largely plant-based diet and you're, let's say, you're eliminating dairy and meat, you have to be on a B12 supplement, right? But A lot of it can also be done just based on how you're feeling, right? Eating to the point where you feel like you can go conquer your next four or five hours or get through that workout and not feel sluggish in front of your laptop, Mm -hmm. right? So I think measuring those things, um, along with measuring things like sleep, stress, your social life, all of those pieces are what define 100% of our well-being. And it doesn't always have to be done on the back of a... Mm -hmm. 100% perfectly calculated macro plan, right? I did often lean on, you know, how I was feeling along with all of the scientific approaches to find a fine balance. Those softer aspects are overlooked. And if you walk into a dietitian's office, you know, don't get overwhelmed by the little diet plan that they give you, right? It's equally important to check in with yourself. And if your gut is telling you something is off, uh, then take a pause, right? Yeah. Don't just follow something blindly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I love that advice because it's not specific to vegan diets or anything like that, right? It's applicable to almost everything. I think we've spoken just so much about this entire vegan diet, veganism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for anyone who has any more questions, I think the Strive Instagram handle is a great place to start with a lot of nutritional info. The site itself has a lot of information, etc. So let's talk about the business that uh, you're building. Let's talk about Strive. Okay, first I think we should. Just speak about what it is and then how have things been for the brand over the last uh, few years
1: absolutely so strive um, is on a fantastic mission to make um, daily protein um, accessible and make daily protein super convenient and tasty. And third is to educate people that um, protein isn't just about workouts, right? Um, so we've been in the market for about three years. We were we entered the market just before the pandemic. And uh, we wanted to go after folks who were active, had busy days, that were overlooking their protein. We wanted to solve that problem. And interestingly, our journey, especially over the pandemic, and while we've spent more time with customers online, we've learned so much about the habits Around um, protein deep right? And where the misconceptions are, mm-hmm. where the real need state is, right? Um, so our first belief was if you're uh, at least remotely active, that's gonna be our very um our first customer. And that's a customer that needs the most help. Yeah. But interestingly, and we're very, very proud of this, we're really, really focusing on daily protein. We're reminding people that yes, you know, if you work out, then absolutely go pick up, you know, our delicious protein shake. Um, but importantly, we're able to get um, people to meet their protein requirements on a daily basis by quickly adding one shake of one of our products into their daily routine. And most of our consumers consume our products at least three to four times a week. And we're really, really proud of that, right? Um, So our mission has actually broadened. Our vision has broadened uh, beyond where we started. And we're really proud because we're able to cater to a variety uh, of customers today, Mm -hmm. right? Athletes will always come. And in fact, I think I've mentioned, right, and and to the listeners out there at Cult, you can actually pick up our products right out of the cafes and power yourself up right before or after a workout. We're super happy about that. Um, But along with that, we've got, um, you know, teenagers who are, you know picking this shake up and putting it in their backpacks because they're hungry at school and, you know, a garbage breakfast isn't going to solve it, right? So before an exam or whatever it is. And of course, we've also got um, a diabetic population. We've also got folks, um, you know, are entering that stage um, in their work-life balance where they really, really are looking for a healthy snack, but that really focuses on protein. And also last but not least, most importantly for us is plant-based, right? Mm -hmm something that doesn't hurt the environment. Yeah. So it's everything is hundred percent plant-based. We are a sustainable protein company, right? So if you walk in through our doors, we're happy to talk to you about it. Um, we'll do our best to make it super tasty, um, clean at the same time. And of course, just make it easy for you.
0: Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the delicious part of that. I've, I think I've tried all three flavors. There are a couple of things uh, on the format that I wanted to ask you about. And I think this is less about marketing and more really about what we've been speaking about till now. Um, You sell your products in a minimum of six the shakes, and then you also started a twenty-one gram protein Speak to us about these two. Were these conscious decisions? Where did that number of twenty-one grams come from?
1: Okay, that's a good question. So, firstly, we we launched a protein milk in the market. It's six gulps. Ten seconds, and you've loaded up on a, a good amount of protein. So I think the first choice we made consciously was how do we make something um, that's a little familiar, mm-hmm. that's as close to uh, dairy milk as possible. Yeah. Sure, there's bars out there, um, and that's great to have, but um, everybody lusts after uh, you know a cold milkshake, right? Which yeah. is dairy-based. So we said, how do we make that format and that convenience um, accessible, tasty, and as familiar as possible, right? Yeah. And then we said, how do we make this um, nutritionally meaningful for that person? Can we at least solve, uh, you know, 15%, 20% or 30% of their daily protein, but also taper it at a point where you're not, you know, overloading your body. So somewhere between, you know, lining all of these up, we said, let's do a liquid daily protein um, milk, which a variety of different folks can use it. That's where we started. And that's also how the 12 gram protein shake came into the market because it gives you, you know, somebody who's about 60 kilos of weight is going to quickly get about 20-21% of the daily protein. As we interacted with customers, powders was and is today a very convenient way for people to add that protein and quickly turn it into a meal. So we have folks today who, do, who will add it into a dosa batter, right? Wow. Or we sometimes sit in a meeting, take out a scoop and just mix it in water in the middle of a soup yeah. bowl. And it at least um, you know gets you the protein that you need, gets you a little bit of the carbs. So we always knew we were going to have a 21 gram or a 20 gram concept in the market, um, and we also wanted it to fit into the use case of a meal replacement, fit into the use case of someone requiring a solid amount of protein, especially before and after a workout. Mm-hmm. Um, those were sort of the use, two use cases that we wanted to go after. Mm-hmm. But we also wanted to make it very versatile, you know. Yeah product that people can use it in multiple different ways. We we pride ourselves over having such a credible team that's highly dedicated to science. Um, mm-hmm. And they're willing to come and sit down at the table, yeah. whether it's a mom or an athlete and say, you know what, let's figure out what it's right for you. So I think that's our philosophy and ethos in terms of what drives us at x uh, yeah.
0: Fantastic. So it must be interesting, right? Being an entrepreneur in the vegan space and the protein space at the same time. think of this as a multi-headed question, really. So one, what is your take on the market itself right now, right? Uh, Is India ready for more vegan brands? I remember, for example, when we spoke for the first time all those years ago, uh, this was a fairly novel product. And it just seems to me that on my Instagram, I'm seeing more and more ads or or existing brands coming out with new SKUs of, hey, here's a new plant-based sort of thing. It seems like Maybe it's because of the pandemic, maybe it's because of global uh, tailwinds uh, that this movement is sort of picking up. So it must be exciting, but it also must be unnerving seeing competition, possibly well-funded competition coming out of something like this. At the same time, also, you have an experience of all this in the West as well, which has been speaking this language for a long time. So I just wanted to ask you about all those things kind of put together.
1: Sure. So I do genuinely believe that a awareness in in India has um, grown incredibly over the last uh, two years, and primarily, you know, due to the pandemic. And of course, too, you know, the pandemic also taught us a lot about uh, how the environment um, is changing um, and how plant-based, believe it or not, sustainable food has a, may have a big role to play and mm-hmm. how things have, have turned out. Right. So I think awareness has gone up quite a bit. It is still um, a small space, and I think all of us, um, including myself, as another founder. Uh, needs to be welcoming as many brands to come in. I think this is the need of the hour. and there was a point where I was wondering and maybe even doubting, is India ever even going to get here, right? Yeah. Because if I take my fellow friends and founders who are doing um, you know, something similar, but they're sitting out of Singapore, they're sitting out of Australia, the ecosystem is so much more evolved, Deepak, right? All the way from investors, entrepreneurs, the collaboration, the access to knowledge. But I think that conversation has absolutely evolved. There are a lot many more people that are aware and there are a lot many more brands that are entering the ecosystem is definitely evolving i think my one message to anybody that's listening out there is uh, you know if you're curious you know don't bat an eye ask questions and the, the more we support this ecosystem the more we begin with the why, and, and how can I contribute even as a consumer is something that's going to be very, very encouraging um, for folks who are building the space. Right. And it's not easy uh, building the space. Take a look at the amount of, of you know, uh, the collaborations, the funding, the support, the government support that's happening outside of India. There's just huge number of um, ecosystems but in India. A lot of people have actually had to look outside. Um, to even just tap into that a little bit. It is changing, but I think we're we're getting there, right? And, and everybody needs to be asking and participating in the conversation.
0: Wonderful. And the last question that I have is, what's your take on this new wave of vegan meats and lab-based uh, meats, for example, not just in India, but uh, the whole wave that's been around for some okay. time?
1: I truly think that we all need to um, welcome the movement of plant-based um, meat. Is it a perfect solution to, uh, let's say, the problems of climate change? Maybe not, because it is ultimately a new industry. Yeah. Right? Even we're building a new industry, right? Or supporting an industry. But the reality is, um, while plant-based um, meat may uh, be a little bit more processed, I'm going to start with, obviously, what yeah. a bit negative, Chuck. Um, it's more processed. Um, it's definitely got all the spices, uh, you know, all the salas and oils to uh, everything that a good um, food tech team and in fact a biotech team can do to make it um, taste great in terms of texture and taste is happening. And that's fantastic because that is the need of the hours so that people can actually make the switch, Mm. um, taste being the number one factor, and therefore directly impacting um, the environment positively and, of course, helping the animals, right? I think that's uh, that's quite important as well. So what is my overall take on plant-based meat? Let me put it this way. Do I consume it? I do, I reserve it for my weekends. And do I feel great physically after consuming it? I'd say yes and no. I think there's some room to go for, sure. um, for Indian plant meats to be super healthy at the same mm. time and being minimally processed sure. while being incredibly tasty for it to make its way into my household, maybe more than you know, two times a week, right? And most importantly, there deepak right? For prices of plant-based products to come down, even yeah. our products, right? The more adoption there is, that's the only way we can get it down yeah. and beat that. That's just how you know economies work, right? So yeah. I think more of us as we're encouraging trying products um, and experimenting and trying to bring it into our daily life. So mm-hmm. the one thing I can do as a consumer, not even you know, as a founder, is just say, if you're taking out your team to lunch today, you're going out with your colleagues, you know, go pick up that plant-based um patty, or, you know, instead of whey protein, you know, pick up a plant protein for your next. Week workout. And Mm. remember that every single time you make that choice, you are making a positive step towards your health, uh, the environment, and making these foods a lot more accessible and affordable.
0: Wonderful. I think that's a great place to end. Uh, we've covered so many things from possibly for tips for people to transition. We've got a lot more into the science of this than I thought we would. And I'm eternally grateful for it. And of course, you've spoken about a business challenge, the outlook, et cetera. So if, whether you are, uh, whether you tuned into this episode for health tips or whether you are an investor looking where to power put your money, I think we've got you covered in this particular episode. Aarti, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I think it's been a great conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time to appear uh, on, little show
1: super excited Chuck super excited thank you for having us and hope to see you soon in Bangalore
0: yeah and cannot wait to see what you guys have planned in the pipeline of course
1: absolutely more protein protein for all and 100% plant-based
0: wonderful thank (laughs) you so much Aarti take care Deepak yeah And that was my chat with Aarti from STRIVE. I hope you found it insightful and inspirational. A few takeaways, as always. 1. Lifestyle changes, no matter what they are and how drastic they might seem, are possible. Aarti's own story of going from hardcore non-vegetarian to the founder of a 100% plant-based company is proof of that. Two, if you eat a non-vegetarian diet, consider going plant-based for even just a few days a week. Apart from the health benefits, there's a large cost to the environment that's saved. And our episode with Aarti shows that it's not difficult for Indians to have a lot of protein as well, given our proclivity for pulses supplemented with protein powders and drinks, and of course, a B12 supplement. And three, one of the best pieces of advice Aarti gave us was to eat to satiety. Now, whether you're following a vegan diet or not, this is damn good advice. Many of us tend to overeat, especially since we gobble down our foods with our eyes on the screen. This is a great tip for those looking to make a lifestyle change. Check out Aarti's company, Strive, for some delicious protein drinks and powders at strive.store. They are also available at select CultFit outlets. And for some super fun group classes, the best gym workouts and home workout experience like no other, download the CultFit app today and become the healthiest version of yourself. I've been a user for many years and I love working out with Cult. This is your host, Deepa Gopalakrishnan, aka Chuck. Signing off. Thank you for listening to One Repair at a Time by CultFit.